let me ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam go, Hogue. Go, 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 This go. is Sports Central. We're calling this the relaunch. That's right. Sports Central is back. My name is Mark Carmen. His name is Adam Hogue. His name is on the open. My name is not. That's okay. We're going to correct that. We're going to work on that. I, I don't want to make any promises out of the gate here. Things take time, especially in podcast land. People are busy. Open's got to get done. There's lots of radio shows going on at WGN. I mean, what 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 do you think the time frame is on that, if you had to guess? Uh, oh. I, well, I'm, I'm not... I think the request went in about a week and a half ago. Okay. I mean, I'm not throwing anybody under the so. bus here. I think any help r- provided for this podcast is, is deserves at least uh, a Starbucks gift card or something. I mean, we're you know, if it takes a month, it takes a month. If it takes two months, it takes two months. I would never, ever, ever, ever complain about the uh, the service that we are provided around here, right? Well, well, yeah, but how about this? What happens first? Roquan Smith reports to training camp or... We get a new open. Uh, well, I'm. I would bet on Roquan Smith, but you're you're the bear guy, Sir Adam Hogue. And let's start right there with your guy Roquan, who was not in the Hall of Fame game. I think that you you didn't go to the Hall of Fame game because uh, you were boycotting along with Roquan Smith. If Roquan Smith's not there, you won't go to Bears games. Is that true? Yeah, I'm holding out as long as he does. I'm. I'm that's how supportive I am of his holdout right now. Why are they doing Roquan Smith dirty, Adam Hogue? Why why what's going on here? Get your number one draft pick in camp. I understand what's I guess what's going on here that we've got clauses and the Bears are trying to protect themselves down the line. They're not really worried about Roquan. But what what can, what can you tell us as we relaunch the Sports Central podcast about a Roquan Smith? Yeah, first of all, let's explain here a little bit what we're doing. Um because it's been a while since we've done a Sports Central and uh, it, there's a there's probably a list of reasons for that that's like uh, f- at least fifty long. Um, one is, I mean, we had already backed off doing the daily deal once the White Sox season started because essentially, uh, as soon as we started this project, we got the White Sox. Like less than a month later, it was actually like two weeks later. And you know, there's only so many bodies and hours in the day. To, to, to do things, I mean... I think it's great proof just to, to let everyone know that we had no idea we were getting the White Sox. We were hopeful. It, it, it really is. Right? Yeah. I mean, that was not in the plans. We were hopeful. Actually, I don't mind getting this detailed on this, Carm, but you may remember we did this huge launch of Sports Central at the Super Bowl. Um, you were there. I was there. It was a. It was a. I mean, really, it was an incredible week. It was, it was so deal. much fun. Yeah. It was so much fun, and and the support from WGN and our bosses to, you know, s- send us out there and start this thing up, um, and put the money into it. They did was great, but it, I think it was like the weekend before that that the whole White Sox uh, news that they were leaving WLS was ha- was like it was surfaced. And, you know, when you're working in the business and you're around, you get wind of things pretty quick. And it was like, well, wait a minute. Should we not launch Sports Central here? Because how is this all going to work if we end up getting the White Sox, right? And yeah. who's going to be involved and what's going to happen? But it was like, it was like literally three days before we were launching this thing and we had already invested in everything. You know, I already had the shows for that week on Radio Row planned out. So, uh, 
Anyway, we just went ahead and did it. And then, uh, you know, a few months went by. We we're, we're doing great. And then, but it was like once the baseball season came around, it was like, all right, we're going to have to dial this thing back a little bit, which is what happened. But then we went through a move. And uh, our listeners probably don't know this, but all of our extra studios that we use for podcasts, and we do a lot of podcasts at WGN. You should check them out on WGNRadio.com. There's a lot of good ones out there. Um, but the studio, there was just no, there was nowhere to do it. During the move, yeah, and I, it, I, it, I, I, I literally forgot about the move, even though that <laughs> seems impossible. But, even though you're in the new studio right now, right? I mean, I, I just, I'm thinking back now to just being in old WGN where there was like dirty water left in a sink and nobody was gone, and I felt like I was in The Walking Dead, but never wanted to leave. I was just going to stay till the end. I, they, they're going to have to chain me to the building, which I have a couple thoughts about that that I want to throw out there at some point here. But yes, okay, that's yeah. true. We had nowhere to do anything. And that, and I think, I think this is true. Had we still been actually doing Sports Central daily, I think we would have taken a month off anyway. Because I don't think there was anywhere to do it. Because we were doing it from an extra studio, and all the studios were gone. They were trying to set up the new ones. Moving a radio station is very, very complicated. And then, uh, you know, uh, it, the training camp started. We're juggling White Sox. We're juggling Bears. We're juggling a lot right now. Um, anyway, the bottom line is the plan going forward is Carm is going to join me on Sports Central going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to be able to you know to be doing radio stuff with you again. And uh, and and I don't know how often we're going to do this. Once, twice a week. We'll see how it goes here. But there's going to be plenty to talk about in the next couple of months. Bears season starting and the Cubs obviously making another playoff push. Yeah, I was at the Cub game last night. Uh, that was they lost to the Padres last night. As we in podcast world here, who knows when these things are recorded? They they uh, I, I want to complain about Javi Baez about, in about ten minutes on this podcast because uh, that, that which seems unfair because Javi Baez is having an incredible season. He's an incredible player and is a borderline MVP candidate. But uh, he reminded me of Sammy Sosa last night. And for the record, I'm just thrilled to be uh, doing this with you, Adam Hogg. I'm looking forward to it. And, yes, of course, there's always a ton to talk about. And, 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 and let me just say this. The new studios at WGN are simply incredible. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of posts this past week on Facebook from people that work at WGN or used to work at WGN. They're taking the WGN letters off of Tribune Tower. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Look, I, I'm i not sure here, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that when I talk into the microphone, it still goes out into the same frequency. And, and when I'm in the car and I punch up 720, I still hear the same station. People move out of their houses all the time. Life goes on. The whole, like, the world is coming to an end because the WG and N is not on the trivia thing. Oh, my God, it's so sad. No, it's not that sad. Or it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's something, but it's, it's not. I, I, don't, I don't get the tears here. I, this is a, I, I, am I making any sense here? Like, yeah, you are, because I, I was trying not to uh, be, you know, everyone was enjoying their goodbyes to Tribune Tower, and there was even one night where I knew it was my last time sitting in the showcase studio with Justin Kaufman, and I was, you know, I didn't get emotional, but it was like, okay, I'm going to take the time here to say goodbye, but inside, as everyone was freaking out about the move, I was like, this is going to be great, are you kidding me? Because I'd already been through a move once at a previous radio station, we left... Uh, 
dumpy studios at NBC Tower went over to Prudential Building with brand new studios. I mean, it's amazing. Right. It's like, oh, hi, welcome to 2018 with these amazing studios. There are no negatives to this at all. Right. In the old building, and I love the old building, but in the old building, I was battling, like, is there asbestos around the corner over there? I'm not sure. Can, can we get a window open in here? Nope, no chance on that. Like, you were, you were in a dungeon that hadn't been, there wasn't a, a, a brief moment of fresh air for 40 years. So, I, I, I just, it, it was time to uh, move along here, and I'm sure they'll do a great job with the building, and you have the Richies that move in there, that's fantastic, good for you, but, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna join Chance the rapper with a condo in there. <laughs> you know, Chance called me to see if I would uh, be willing to come in there, but right now I'm focusing on uh, other things in my life rather than okay. you know putting my money towards uh, ridiculous prop- pieces of property. But that's awesome that he Fair can enough. do that. That's great. Uh, All right, yes. the Roquan Smith deal. Yes, uh, he, here is um, here's the problem that I think we've reached, and without getting all the minutia again of what's going on, basically. I think what needs to be clear here is that it's pretty obvious to me his agency, CAA, which is just a powerful agency that goes beyond sports. They represent major actors, musicians. It's a, it's a huge firm, okay? And they have their sports division. And they have a lot of clients in football. And the reality is that in the NFL, the NFLPA has very little power. And the owners hold all the power. It's the complete opposite of the NBA, where the players have all the power and pretty much can do whatever they want. Um, in this case, rookie contracts are the only contracts that are guaranteed. And there's this language in there that, starting in the last couple of years, the agents have realized, oh, teams can get out of this guaranteed money using all these random excuses like fines, suspensions, things like that, if they end up making a uh, a bad draft pick and want to get out of the contract. We haven't really seen much of that happen in reality, but here the NFLPA realized this is something that's worth fighting for when we don't have a whole lot to fight for, right? I mean, the way the CBA is, it sucks for the players, and there's not really, really much they can fight for. So here's this thing we can fight with. And I think what the CAA did, and specifically Roquan Smith's agent, he's represented Joey Bosa. He also currently represents Aaron Donald, who's holding out. I think he's established himself as a guy that wants to fight these teams to the death. So he's got a client here in Roquan Smith that uh, isn't a troublemaker, isn't somebody that I think the Bears need to worry about uh, You know, committing crimes or doing stuff uh, down the road where they want to get out of this contract. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're hoping the Bears budge on this. And what that would do down the line is create a precedent for future rookies, future CAA clients, that say, hey, look, we got this done with Roquan Smith. We got all this language taken out of his contract so his money really is truly fully guaranteed and and so that's a long way of saying Carm that the CAA is fighting for more than just one client here and if that's a fight that Roquan wants to be a part of if he wants to be a guy that's fighting for all these other players too then go ahead and fight it because I'm fully team player here for the most part when it comes to this stuff because they don't have much to fight for and they should fight because we always criticize these guys after the fact when, oh, they're holding out and they're in the middle of a contract. You say, 
Oh, well, you shouldn't have signed that contract, and you should have fought for this stuff before you signed. Well, here Roquan Smith is. He hasn't signed. He's fighting for it now, which I generally agree with. However, Roquan needs to also realize that the agent works for him, and he doesn't necessarily have to be fighting for more than just himself. If he wants to fight this fight, then do it. If he wants to play week one against the Packers, he needs to get his ass to Bourbonnet and start practicing. So, okay. It's very interesting that Roquan Smith, as you just outlined, is being put in the middle of this. And then you look at his background. I don't know a ton here. I mean, he he had. I'm just looking at at things that have happened to him. He once uh, he committed to UCLA back in the day, and then he changed his mind and went to Georgia. So here's a guy that, and then he is the he wins the Butkus Award at Georgia, which was uh you know he was the first Bulldog to ever do that. So I, I for whatever. I'm just looking for ways in his life that he's that he's actually stood up and taken a stand, and that's very thin right now. For him to be the guy to, to fight the Bears and be willing to, uh, you know, do this for players coming down the pipe, I, it just seems like a very awkward spot to put him in. And and if I was him, I would say, look, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I also want to play football, and this is not the way I want to start my career. So please make the very best deal that you possibly can and get me on the field. I mean, I want. I'm assuming that he's thinking about having those conversations if he's not having them already. Yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I also want to discuss some things from the game last night. But let's also point out from the Bears' side, they have made concessions. Uh, both my podcast partner, Adam Johns, uh, Hogan Johns report, podcast. has re- reported that and actually went into some of that stuff on our podcast a few days ago. And then David Haw also wrote uh, a great story in the Tribune reporting all the specifics. But the Bears... Like that stuff about the helmet stuff, the Bears did give in on that. Now they're arguing about some other things. Um, you know, who really cares? Let's be honest. The the thing is, um, I I think if Rokon wants to keep fighting it, he should, and the Bears should give in because the reality is, if you are two or three years from now trying to recuperate guaranteed money from Roquan Smith. That means you made a bad draft pick. That means you screwed up. That means you you need to scout better. You need to draft better. That's on you. Okay? Um, that being said, I don't necessarily think that the Bears are just going to give in here because they don't want to set a precedent. Because let's say next year they draft somebody who's much, much riskier with some off-the-field issues. That's not really Ryan Pace's track record, but I guess theoretically it's possible. And that's somebody who they do want to have all this language in the in the contract, and then they come back and say, "Well, last year you didn't do this for you. You know, you took all this out for Roquan Smith." And then that's the danger of setting a precedent. Uh, I don't know. I th- I think Smith at this point probably his best decision would be to get to camp and start playing because the Bears have already played a preseason game here and he's missed two and a half weeks. Right. I don't know what your highlight was from uh, the first preseason game, but I'm going to go with Chase Daniel to Daniel Burton. Who had that in your first uh, Bears touchdown of the season, albeit on the preseason football field? Daniel to Daniel for six with Adam Shaheen going nuts in the uh, end zone and the Bears uh, an early lead on the Ravens. Of course they lost. Uh, But was the, okay, there was nothing really worth uh, watching last night. But, but I hate to uh, kill your dream, by the way, Carl, yeah. the Daniel, the Daniel connection, but yeah. his, his name is Michael Burton. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, the dream is dead. No, it's not. It's, yes. Are you serious? There's, I'm looking at a tweet right now. Daniel Burton. Ooh. 
Who made that tweet? I, I, okay. Maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding the Was tweet. it Mike North? Mike North made his return to Twitter nah, last night. Nah. He was all up in my mentions. Really? What, oh. what, what was Mike North hot about? He wanted everybody to play. That's a terrible. Trubisky. Can we edit this out of the podcast? His name's Michael Burton. My bad. It's Daniel to the to the Michael Burton to the fullback. All right. My, my God. Uh, I, <laughs> it's I, game one. It's preseason for everybody. I guess so. B- bottom line, I think we learned last night that, uh, yeah, uh, Chase Daniel's not going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears in any s- situation. I know that was never on the table, but... Uh, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that he's distinguished himself in any way, shape, or form. And where is Mitchell Trubisky? Why wasn't he playing last night? I get it. It wasn't really a preseason game, but I, I want to see him, and I'd like to see Kevin White too. Adam Hogue. Yeah, the, the Kevin White was. I, I actually had said before the game. I, I thought Trubisky should play a series just to like. It, my reasoning was just procedural. Like get out there, go through the huddle, start spitting out some play calls that you've been doing in practice. Uh, just go through the whole process of getting it from Nagy, relaying it to the players. The results don't matter at all. That was my thinking. Uh, Matt Nagy said after the game that he didn't think the risk was worth the tiny reward, and I can't fault him for that. Um, the the one guy, and I tweeted this last night, didn't have a problem with any of the playing time decisions. By the way, I thought it was very notable that Anthony Miller, the Bears' second-round draft pick, didn't play at all, already getting starter treatment. Uh, that's That's impressive and significant. But... Another guy who got started treatment is Kevin White. And beyond just that idea of him still being considered a starter on this team, he needs all the game experience he can get, in my opinion. I mean, you need to learn. You need to find out if this guy can stay healthy. And that's what everyone keeps talking about. But, Carm, I still need to know if this guy can play football. I I mean, he's never proven that to me, whether it's a game or in practice. And that's continuing right now in Bourbon Day. They're saying he looks good. And he's had a couple nice plays here or there, but I've also seen plenty of drops, and I don't see a guy who looks like a first-round draft pick. Well, and aside from the Bears keeping him healthy, if I'm Kevin White, I'm like, please let me let me get on the football field, let me start to get some rhythm. I've I've missed you know two seasons of football here. Can I can I actually start to hopefully get some rhythm and show you guys that I can play at the same time? And look, if I if I get hurt in in week one of the preseason, then I would have gotten hurt in week two, week three, week four. What you know? I mean, come on. So I I. Uh, I, I'm with you, man. Kevin White needs reps. Kevin White needs to be out there for himself and for the team. Um, but hearing you talk about how he's had a lot of drops already in, in practice, uh, that's that's not exactly the most optimistic moment of my morning, right? I mean, do you see well, him as a as, as a contributor in some way, shape, or form? Oh uh, yeah, as long as he's healthy, I do. Because again, we get back to the guaranteed contracts with rookies, and he's still fully guaranteed. Um, but I'll tell you what's interesting. You know, a guy like Javon Wims last night, seventh round draft pick out of Georgia, he, he had a huge game. I mean, he, uh, let's see, I had the numbers in front of me. I think it was seven catches and 89 yards. Um, he made one sweet play, too, down the, uh, down the sideline with the one hand catch. Well, here's a guy who was Georgia's number one wide receiver last year, and they were in the national championship game. And I, I talked to him last week. This is, I have a brand new 10 Bears Things column that's up this morning on WGNRadio.com where I actually caught up with every member of the Bears draft pick, uh, excuse me, draft class from this year except for Roquan Smith, because he's not in Bourbonnet. Um <laughs> But I talked to Javon Wims, and he said, uh, they said I'm not fast enough. They said I can't run routes. They said I played in an offense that ran the ball dominantly. I mean, the list goes on. The, the, 
when I looked at this guy the first day he took the field in Bourbonnais with the pads on, I'm like, this dude's 6'4", 215. He's huge. And he boxes guys out. He uses his size to his advantage. The question on him is, I think, quickness and route running. But last night, fourth and six, late in the game, for anybody who's still watching it, and I may have only been, I may have been the only one, but the Bears are trying to go on a on a drive to take the lead, and it's fourth and six. This is the game right here, and he ran a perfect quick slant, great route. Tyler Bray hit him for the first down, and I realize it's the preseason. I realize he's going up against back backups, but that was a clutch play and a clutch moment. Uh, one of the rare situational things you can actually evaluate in the fourth quarter of a first preseason game, and I was impressed by him last night. My favorite uh, player on the football team, of course, is the backup quarterback, and what little I did see of Tyler Bray last night, I think he's better than Chase Daniel. Am I wrong? Uh, I, I would. Here's, here's what I would say about the offense last night. I wouldn't worry too much about what Chase Daniel did. Um, you know, the first interception, he hits Jordan Morgan in the helmet. Chase Daniel is limited in height. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that. He's not very tall, and that's part of the reason why he's never really been a starter. He's actually been pretty good in the sh- in the small amount of playing time he has received as a backup throughout his career. But, you know, he's short. There, there's a, a Deion Sims looks like he ran the wrong way or didn't sit down on his route in the second interception. I don't want to keep making all these excuses, but the reality is they really were vanilla on offense last night. If you watch them in practice, it looks a lot different. There's a lot more motion. They're doing a lot more. You know, They're not really showing that on on, on tape right now, and I, I don't know. I'm not worried about Chase Daniel. He's a veteran guy. He knows his system. He's played in Nagy's system before, and uh, his job is really to, to help Trubisky, and if, God forbid, Trubisky goes down, I think we all know that's a huge problem no matter what. He's played in eight seasons, Chase Daniel. He's he's thrown 78 passes. I'm not a math major, but that would be less than 10 passes a year. And, of course, uh, the bulk of those came in 2013 and 2014 for the Kansas City Chiefs when he was 25 for 38 and 16 that's, for that's my Yeah, that's my NFL career, by the way, if I could draw it up. Like for my son, if he wants to play, I mean, I don't really want him playing football, but if he wants to go to the NFL and just sit on the sidelines with a clipboard for eight years and make millions of dollars, that's what I'm talking about. Right. I mean, I, I, I met him at some charity event they had at Soldier Field earlier this year. He's right? a great dude. Yeah, and he was super nice and positive I'm like and, and, and all of it I'm like well you are the ideal backup quarterback you're going to come in you're going to work hard you're not going to ruffle any feathers no one's going to be worried that you're going to take their job and hopefully you'll you'll never play in 10 seasons 10 seasons in the NFL yeah. it's a, it's incredible and, uh, and most importantly Carm and you would I know you you spent so much time agonizing over who's following you on Twitter Chase Daniel followed me the day he signed with the Bears. Wow. I mean, that's a guy who's on top of the media, wants to get involved with the with the media, wants to, you know, be he wants to know what's going on. I, I you know, that that's I like that. I, I, that's huge for you, by the way, that he immediately was like, you know what, if I'm going to be a bear, I have to follow at Adam Hogue on Twitter. 35,000 followers for Adam Hogue right now as I look at it. 35K, pal. You are an, you're, you're a borderline institution. Maybe he's listening to this podcast because he saw the link on the, on the at Adam Hogue Twitter feed. By the way, follow at the Carm. Please, you too. Please, I, I I need to be more active on Twitter. It's really been a it's been a rough tenure. I've been backing down. Twitter is just a bad place. Oh, I, I still love it. I, I'm still slightly addicted. But I want to uh, I want to talk about the Cubs last night as we move along here. But uh, do we are we leaving anything out from last night's Bear game that we should get in here? 
off we are. Go read my 10 bear stings on WGNRadio.com. There's okay. a couple more observations. Oh, oh, the helmet thing last night. Uh, the new helmet rule. Yes. We don't need to get into it right now. But um, basically, it was called twice in the game, and it was called correctly twice. Everyone, including the broadcasters, and even Terry McCauley, who's you know former referee, just retired, and now is NBC's rules analyst, thought they called it four times. And everyone on Twitter, and this is going to happen throughout the season, this is going to be a huge controversy all year, but everyone was like, that's ridiculous, this rule is stupid. But the reality was the last two were not the helmet rule. They were actually calling something completely different. Um, so... I actually thought the debut of the new helmet rule was good. That's also in my ten bears things. I kind of explained uh, what you know what those calls actually were, and hopefully uh, people settled down a little bit. Yeah, it se- it seemed the reaction last night too was that overall the new helmet rule is not as bad as people thought it would be. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And by the way, the Bears moving on to play the Bengals. Mitchell Trubisky will play. That's next Thursday night. Uh, you probably know that and don't need this podcast to tell you, but just want to put it out there that there's actually like real preseason football uh, a week coming up here this week. Are you going to Cincinnati? Or Not going to Cincinnati, but I'm spending the week in Denver the following week because they practice against the Broncos oh, that's and, cool. and play the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, we still got some White Sox stuff going on next week. All right. But- yeah, very cool. Let, let's call let's call this Carmen nitpicking right now. It's a new segment on the podcast Sports Central. Carmen nitpicking. Uh, all right, Cubs are down last night seven one. Adam Hogue. I want to know if this would bother you. It's the ninth inning. They're playing the San Diego Padres. Padres are terrible. Cubs have come back all season long. I'm praying for a miracle out there with uh, you know I, I, Dave Ennett's got me covering the game and and. Uh, I got the girlfriend Chelsea out there. It's a whole scene. So, okay. One out. Jason Hayward leads off the inning. Here comes Javi Baez. You're down six runs. First pitch over the head of, of Javi Baez. Swinging. Second pitch nearly over his head again. Swinging again. Pops out and like jogs his uh, aggressive behind back to the dugout. Now, Javi Baez has been incredible, but come on, man. It's a six-run game in the ninth inning. You guys have a lot of firepower. Try to get on base. Hayward walked up there. He he showed like he was trying to bunt, trying to draw a walk, you know, all team all the time. And here's Javi trying to hit a six-run homer with nobody on base in the ninth inning. Would that bother you? Because it bothered me. Well, if anyone could do it, it'd be Javi. Pull off a six-run homer. <laughs> this is true. Maybe it is in Javi Baez's powers. And he's had some pretty clutch hits here as of late. No question about it. He's been incredible. Um, look, I, I think that he, he he is what he is at this point, right? I mean, he is a guy that it, it, you're going to get a lot of reward from his style of play and being aggressive, but he's also going to want want to make you pull your hair out sometimes when he does that. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. And the interesting thing about this is we had a great conversation with Ricky Renteria yesterday at the ballpark about situ, situational hitting because I've always wondered – do managers talk to players like right before they go on deck or while they're on deck and remind them of the situation? Or are Major League Baseball players supposed to know on their own? Like, hey, there's a runner on second base here, nobody out. I need to hit a ground ball to second, get him over to third, or at least hit it to the right side. Because we see so many times where they don't do that or they don't even attempt to do that, and then there's a conversation in the dugout right after. 
So, I don't know, the answer from Ricky was, you know, it's kind of a combination of both. Maybe a younger player, you do remind him. Maybe a guy like Jose Abreu, you you trust him to, to know every situation. I think with Javi, it's pretty obvious he's not always, uh, even if he does understand the situation, he's going to be free swinging. It's just kind of what he is, and it's going to lead to a lot of good things and then a lot of uh, frustrating things sometimes, too. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I'm crazy. Well, what did you expect that he was going to work a walk in the ninth inning? He hasn't worked a walk. He does that once a month. Why would you think he would do it there? But, you know, it just reminded me of 2003, and it's game seven, and the Cubs are down, and Sammy's swinging at a pitch over. said, Now, this is game seven of the NLCS. And Kenny Lofton went bananas on him, apparently, like in the clubhouse afterwards. Like, what are you? You're, you're not a team guy. I, I like team people here, Adam Hoke. That's all I'm saying. You're down six runs in the ninth inning. Take a pitch. Well, how about just one pitch? Just let him see if he throws you a strike. I, I don't think that's if that if I was Joe Madden, that would drive me nuts. But after the game, he was talking about how he loves the Cubs players' approach. So, um, you know, whether he actually. I'm sure somewhere in him he's bothered, but he's not going to share that with the media. Would be my overall take there. Big win, uh, big win for the White Sox here. By the way, coming back to beat the Royals after nearly blowing the game. But uh, Ronaldo Lopez, that was good to see yesterday, right? I yes, that, that's like you. you if, if that goes south the rest of the year, like it feels like a really wasted year. You, we need a we need a strong finish from a Ronaldo Lopez. Well, after Tuesday night's game, I'm, I'm, you know, going through some notes, sitting there during the po- during a break during the post game show, just getting ready to set up the rest of this series against the Royals. This was Tuesday night, and James Shields had pitched, and I'm like looking at, I go, all of a sudden I realize like Lopez's ERA is worse than James Shields. When did that happen? Quickly. I, I, I mean, I got snuck up on us really fast, and, and it was pretty alarming. But he bounced back, pitched really well yesterday. Um, you know, for the second time in the series, I th- I think I was up in the booth like screaming because uh, Ricky Renteria was pinch hitting Matt Davidson, <laughs> who just crushed the Royals this year. For Daniel, he put Daniel Polk in for Matt Davidson when Davidson hit. But you know, when he did it Tuesday night, Davidson hit a uh, foul ball about seven hundred feet. And you're going, well, if that was fair, it would have looked pretty good. And then yesterday, he actually does it. He comes in, and he's been a great pinch hitter. So I really, it's sort of stupid thing to question Ricky about. Um, because Polka this year, now three pinch hit home runs. And he smoked that one yesterday to give the White Sox a win. I'm a, I'm a Daniel Polka fan. I'm in the Polka Mania Club. Polka Mania. I, I like Polka. I, I, I'm pro. Look, that guy has power. I've been watching him take uh, extra outfield work with Daryl Boston as they do that pregames. Like he, Boston's out there hitting him fungos off the tee, and they're working on where he's catching the ball. As far as they, you know, they want it up by your face, not down by the ground. It's proper form here. I, I like as far as I'm concerned, the more playing time Daniel Paul gets, the better. I mean, who who in that outfield do you really want? Who do you believe in could turn into something? Like Paulka to me is the guy. Right now, I'm not saying he's gonna be, but I play him. I play him nearly every day of the rest of the season. That's that. That would just be me. Am I nuts? Um. Yeah. I mean. I mean. You might as well. I think they like him coming off the bench right now as a pinch hitter. But Paul. Yeah, I mean, he, he's somebody who's des- who does who has his playing time. Paulka or Nikki Delmonico. Paulka. Paulka or. Uh, yeah. I mean, the right- problem is Nikki's been hurt all year, and I think they still want to see more. That's fine, but okay. I, listen, they, I, I kind of expected one of these guys to get moved before the break. 
not in some major deal, but I don't know if somebody could have used Leori Garcia. Or- that would be the guy. But like again, Polka or Leori Garcia, you know what Leori is, and it's fine. It's he's a worthy guy to have on your team. But I'd rather see Polka out there and let him work. Um, so, okay, let's, uh, we we need to talk about Urban Meyer. Yeah, let's, okay. So Urban Meyer, if, which this is the most stunning story of the week for me, because normally these things uh, in my history in sports, Adam Oga, I don't know about you, they get swept under the rug. This is not, if you go back 20 years ago, there's no way this comes out. But uh, Urban Meyer... If well, people, this did get swept under the rug for a while. Right, but it never would surface. And now it's... Okay, so you've well, got... Well, someone got, someone got the, the documents to be unsealed. Yeah. I, I think that's the deal, is that these... Uh, when they filed for divorce, the, the, the Zach Smith, the coach in question here, who, who committed the domestic violence, uh, allegedly, but pretty obviously... Um, managed to get everything sealed when they got divorced, which is why it never came out publicly until now. And so the story is that Urban knew, mainly because uh, Zach Smith's wife, Courtney, who was the victim, allegedly, of this abuse, was t- told Ur- told every like wife on the coaching staff, including Urban's wife, and she said that she was going to go to Urban. And now Urban is uh, on administrative leave as they've, they got a six-man panel is going to figure out what to do with Urban. Uh this is a lesson for everybody, by the way. You play, first of all, it's be a good person. Do what's, I mean, that should be very uh, basic. But if we're just talking strictly career, everybody seems to play the short game. Joe Paterno, I don't want to get my football team in trouble right now. Look how that turned out. Urban Meyer, looking, uh, maybe I can get rid of this. If you th- if you take some short-term pain, I got to get rid of my coach. I got I have to out him to the public, and the program's going to look bad today, then you move on. If, it, if you do it the other way, uh, you, you got you got real problems here. And and you're a terrible, and you look like a terrible person. You maybe are a terrible person. So, I mean, I, I don't know I don't know how you see this shaking out, Adam, but either however it shakes out, I, if I'm urban, I'm not sleeping particularly well at night. Well, I know, like, there's actually Vegas props on this situation right now, and they're overwhelming uh, in favor fired. of... Of him getting fired, uh, but if anybody can manage to get out of this, it's Urban Meyer in Ohio State. Here's here's the problem to me. Well, first of all, the problem is that you didn't fire him, obviously, and you didn't you didn't really help uh, this poor woman that was getting beat. But in terms of his job and this thing spiraling spiraling out of control to the point where they're probably going to have to get rid of him. I'm not totally convinced it's going to happen, but it seems like it should. But what he said at Big Ten Media Days last week is what really killed him. Because you could have said, look, this information's just coming out. We're still evaluating it. We made the decision to fire him. I'm not going to comment further right now. That was one option. You know, we're investigating the situation, you know, something like that. Right. Exactly right. He came out hard, said he knew nothing about it. Yeah. Denied the whole thing, and even went as far as to criticize the report from Brett McMurphy that came out last week about this whole thing, and Brett McMurphy was in the audience at Big Ten Media Day. So he's even attacking the media that's accurately reporting this whole thing. I just, in this day and age, when you have seen what's happened at Penn State and Michigan State and other places, the 
decisions that are made to completely deny this stuff publicly is just so bizarre to me when it so, could so easily be figured out. Or, I mean, that doesn't even take figuring out or digging. Digging. All you needed was Shelly Smith to come out and say what was going on, and Urban Meyer looks like he needs to get fired. And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah, I mean, Meyer's quote, if people missed it, in 2009, Zach was an intern. Okay, that's what he says at Big Ten Media. As I do any time, and I imagine most coaches or people in leadership positions, when you receive a phone call, first thing you do is tell your boss, let the experts do their jobs. We're certainly not going to investigate. It came back to me, that was what was reported, wasn't actually what happened. So Shelly and I actually both got involved with the relationship with that family, and I provided counseling and wanted to help them moving forward. And... uh he just said it was not accurate. Uh, yeah. And, not- uh, and by the way, I, I, I just mixed up the names. Her name's Courtney Smith. Shelly is Urban's wife. Right. So, okay. Uh, but bottom line, it's, it's – look, if you're Ohio State, if I'm an Ohio State fan and maybe you love Urban Meyer, he's got to go. You can't have it. I'm sorry. And it, it's just – how could you look at that guy and want him to lead 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old dudes when a very clear as day, when given a choice of how to handle things, he absolutely failed? I mean, yeah, sir, he's, he looks like a fraud in this whole thing. Right, and which is nothing new in college football, for the record. But, the, well, I just, but it's not Pat Fitzgerald, baby. Go Cats. Like, hey, can I ask you a, a question, though, that I, I don't really think has been addressed, and I think this person is at least needs to answer for this or show a little bit more direction here. I'm not saying it needs to be fired, but I don't understand why it's not even coming up as a conversation in all this. You've had Penn State, you've had Michigan State, and you've now had Ohio State. We're going at Jim Delaney? Well, at what this has all happened under his watch. Yeah, uh, well... If you don't know, Jim Delaney is the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference who uh, got a $20 million bonus, by the way, in 2017. So people like the work that he's doing because Rutgers is in the Big Ten and everything's expanded and they're making tons of dough. Well, they are making money, and that's really all that matters to for job security in that position. But And again, I'm not saying he should be fired or he should even be held responsible for all this. I'm just saying at what point does the commissioner at least get looked at for this you know, the Penn State thing was such a wide... I mean, it took the, the, the federal government to come in and bust this whole thing up, right? Uh, it, it was so widespread and so deep. Like, I don't know how Jim Delaney could have done anything to prevent it. But as a lesson learned, then it, happened, then it happens at Michigan State. And now it's it, it's there's what looks like a cover-up at Ohio State. I guess that's what I'm getting at is... How many of these institutions need to be going through something like this before you go, well, why aren't these schools learning anything? I, I, and, and when do the punishments start to come down to the point where... The, because I, I remember I wrote a column, and maybe at the time it was a... I, I still don't disagree with it, but it probably seems more ridiculous now than it did then. But I wrote a column back during the Penn State stuff that Penn State should be kicked out of the Big Ten. That it was unacceptable, unacceptable for a Big Ten institution to be having that that happening and cover up to that to that extent, and that should be one of the punishments. And, and these schools just aren't being held accountable enough, in my opinion. Well, and you mentioned the Penn State part for me. You look at how successful they are already. I mean, 
this is five years out. The, the graduating class this year at Penn State, were, these guys were all coming in after the scandal, and they're they're title contenders. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like it never even happened. Especially with the scholarship restrictions that right. Bill O'Brien had when he was there. Right. It's it's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, 110,000 people, statues taken down, there's all that type of stuff. But it's like it's almost like it never happened. I mean, at least as far as like on the field and their success. So, And I, I agree with you. Like, out of the Big Ten, you're done. See you later. We don't stand for something like that. It's not what this conference is all about. But, I mean, the other side of it is, yeah, it's actually what, exactly what the conference is standing about. You got, you got I mean, Michigan State's worse than Penn State. Oh, oh, Urban's going to be a blip as far as like, compared to those two. But I, I would expect that he's going to lose his job, as we mentioned. I, so just to clarify, I, I'm not saying Jim Delaney should be held responsible necessarily. Right. I do think that there should be more of a conversation about what he is and is not doing, though, or what the conference is and is not doing in these situations. I mean, I'm sure they're they're having some role here, but it, how does this keep happening within this conference? It's a terrible look for the conference. I, I would imagine that some of the meetings that, that are going on, and whenever Jim Delaney's bringing his athletic directors together, there's I, I would think that those we got some serious profanity flying. Like, you know, I, I mean, come on. How bad are we going to look? We're going to do this again and again and again. Let, let's, uh, hey, let's before we get out of here, let's let's wrap up with uh, with a Brian Urlacher fifty four story going into Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, I give him just seeing him in, in Canton for the game and the, and the way the hair's flowing. Like to me, that's a Hall of Fame performance. How how in the world does it look like he was never bald? That is the greatest hair res- restoration project in the history of restoration projects. The guy looks incredible, but it, but uh, it's pretty good. If he didn't have so many billboards around the city, I'd give him, uh, I'd give Restore some more air ta- time right now and free advertisement. But all you gotta do is drive down I two I two ninety four, go down the tri state either direction. You're gonna see Ryan Sandberg or Brian Urlacher every what a mile and a half. Why can't they do that for Steve Cochran? Dude needs some hair. <laughs> I'm not going there. I mean, you could borrow some from Dave Ennett. That's true. Ennett does have a great flow. Uh, did you see what the 85 Bears said about uh, good old Brian Urlacher? They said he'd be a special teams player. Who said that? Uh, one of their, I, I, I think, uh, I think it was McMichael. One of them said it. I forget which one. Come on, don't be like the the undefeated Miami Dolphins that say all this ridiculous stuff every year and celebrate when teams lose. I mean, Urlacher special teams. Uh, you, That's a dumb comment. It's not very good. It's it's, uh, <laughs> but but I was amused by it. I do wonder. I mean, who's he starting over between Wilbur Oldis and Mike Singletary? I don't know if he is. That's uh, those were that that team was stacked and stacked. But that's not the point of this. I get it. He's uh, in the Hall of Fame. He would definitely be starting for the '85 Bears. He's okay. Maybe he would be. I don't know. Those guys were awesome. But that's my that's my childhood. Adam Hogue. I, I, I can't let it go. Uh, any any uh, any Urlacher memory? Uh well, you know, I certainly have. I to, well, to me, the the biggest is the the game against the Cardinals in 2006. Just how dominant he was in the second half. Bears come back in there. 78 tackles. What was it? Yes, I mean, I think the coaches officially gave him 25. Uh, the press box gave him 19. He was just all over the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's that's one of the all-time great Bears games, too, when you look back on it, that comeback without even scoring an offensive touchdown. Unfortunately, 
to me, you know, from my time covering him, I only caught the last couple seasons, right? And I, I still can't get out of my head the injury suffered uh, against the Seahawks and Russell Wilson uh, with that move on him and the Bears losing that game in overtime, and that's the last time we saw Urlacher. Like it, the, the thing that sucks, I think, about Urlacher's career is the ending, not just the injury, but the way Phil Emery handled it, uh, really not giving him the send-off he deserved. And, and you know, I, I realize he didn't get any offers elsewhere, but you're talking about one of the great Bears of all time. And it was just mucky how it was handled. It wasn't a good look for the Bears. I have to imagine. I mean, I know it rubbed people the wrong way within the organization. Phil Emery rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But sometimes, and we talk about whether the McCaskies medal or not, that would have been a good situation to medal. Yeah, <laughs> I, I said, hey, look, this is not how we send off one of our greatest players of all time with an email release in, at nighttime uh, that he's going bye-bye before he even knows about it. Yeah, I forgot about the ending, or I at least hadn't thought about it for a long time. That was super ugly. Not, not, not a great moment in Bear history, but congrats to Brian. The safety turn linebacker, the, I mean, just the most perfect physical specimen for a linebacker as far as what, 6'4", 250 pounds, runs like a deer. Uh, and just a bear, right? I mean, like literally. I think he, he, when they crafted the Chicago Bears, when George Halas was running around, that was that was the vision. So uh, yeah, it, it's uh, now will Roquan Smith now Roquan Smith. One? So we're we're back, Adam. Hogan. Isn't the irony good? I mean, he does not. He's everyone's there in Canton except you, me, and Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith's going to be in Canton someday. I can feel it. Huge draft pick by Ryan Pace. He wasn't there last night. He was was not there last night. Uh, All right, Sports Central. One time, two time, however many time a week. uh, We're here to entertain you, inform, and uh, just enjoy having some conversation. So we we thank you for checking it out. Uh, Adam? Good stuff, buddy. Good to be with you, pal. I, I I appreciate I appreciate the relaunch. Appreciate being a part of it. So well, the, so listeners know. I, our hope is to get this set for a specific day, um, going forward. Things are a little in flux right now. And we figured for this week, since the Bears played on Thursday night, we should fire up an episode Friday morning. We'll get it all hammered out. I'll get on the open. It's going to be a dream. We're 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 moving forward, baby. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, in the in the meantime, follow us on Twitter. At the Carm, at Adam Hogue, and should let everyone know. I know this is short notice because it's happening tomorrow as we record this Friday. Uh, but we're having we got a live Hogan Johns podcast in Bourbon A. Yes, Saturday morning. So come out, come watch practice. It starts at eight fifteen in the morning. It's an early trip down the Bourbon A, uh, but we'll be recording from ten thirty to eleven thirty in one of the tents off the practice fields. So you can find us there, and it should be a lot of fun. Always awesome. The Hogan Johns podcast going when you go live with, with people in there. It's, it's a sweet look. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for checking it out. Sports Central is back. Uh-huh.